Writing your oncology case report is a huge undertaking, and it's easy to make silly mistakes that can derail your entire writing process. That's why you need my brand new masterclass, the three-step framework for a finished case report. In this free masterclass, you'll learn three of the biggest mistakes to avoid when writing your case report, the secrets to actually finishing your case report, no matter the patient case you've chosen, and my proven three-step framework for starting and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at theoncopt.com slash framework. Again, that's theoncopt.com slash framework. Exercise during and after cancer treatment is not only safe, but it's beneficial. And that if we do not go out there and treat these individuals, you know, to our best ability, if we, you know, we're scared to push them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, We're actually going to do more harm than good in the long run with things like cardiotoxicity, pulmonary toxicity, those kind of adjustments. We do need to be in the game because if, again, if, if we don't step up, then we're not, we're, we're hurting them more than anything. Welcome to the Onco PT podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Contu. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. I am so excited today because I have one of my very, very near and dear oncology physical therapy friends here on the podcast. We have so much to talk about, including something that we have been working on kind of in secret over the past couple months. So we're very, very excited to talk about it. Before I get ahead of myself, Dr. Kelly Sturm, welcome back to the OncoPT podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me back. I'm also very excited to finally talk about everything we've been doing. Now, the last time you were here on the podcast, which was way too long ago, that's on me. Um, some of our listeners may not have been listening at that point. And then you've also had a little bit of a, a, a rebrand, if you will, a name change. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself for those who are unfamiliar with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Kelly Stern, formerly Kelly Reed, which some people know me for. Um, I'm probably most known in the oncology world as the Cancer Rehab PT on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, and then YouTube is my big one as well. Um, and so I, I'm just excited to be back and talk about what we're going to uh, go through behind the scenes here. And you have obviously a very thriving like Instagram presence. We like you and I see each other on Instagram all the time. But one of the things that I really admire about you is you have a booming just hold on YouTube. And that's something that I really admire and I'm personally working towards. So I appreciate you going out and being this like pioneer in the YouTube space because it's much, it's much, much needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I will say when I started this, so let's see maybe 2019, it was definitely Mm -hmm. before the pandemic. I went on Instagram and at that time, I don't think, I don't remember seeing anyone else on there as far as the oncology world. There might've been someone on there a little bit, but not much. There were some public health therapists. There were some orthopedic therapists. Um, I saw a lot of neurotherapists, but I didn't see oncology. And as an oncology therapist, a lot of us know that there is a massive void out there for this population and specifically for cancer rehab. There are millions, 15 million, I believe what it's at now, um, cancer survivors out there. And there are very few of us and all of these individuals, you know, they're living longer because treatment's getting better, which is 
amazing, but now they're left with all of these issues and no one's addressing it. So that's where we come in. And of course we're passionate about that, but I'm learning, I was learning a lot that, you know, patients would come in and the, I know I'm not alone in this, the, the sentence we hear all the time is why didn't I know about this sooner? Why didn't I know that this existed? Why didn't I know I could get help for this? And they would just live with this pain or tightness or whatever for years at mm-hmm. some point. So I was just like, I just realized that, and I felt like maybe I was living in a bubble that like, I thought maybe everyone else knew about it, but I realized that's not how it was. And I was like, well, we need to educate because at the time I was probably five, seven years, seven years out of therapy school, which is enough to feel confident as a therapist. But I also, at that point, I didn't feel like I had a really big, um, voice when it came to, you know, providers like oncologists and speaking on, you know, at big team meetings and boards, I felt like I'm still new. Um, and so I was like, well, if I can't get to all of these you know, oncologists to say, Hey, you need to refer, we can help your patients. Then I'll say, well, what's the other route? Well, patients, they're the ones going to the doctor and saying, I want a therapy order. I need this. And if they know about it and they go ask for it, they're, they're really never turned down, but they don't know that we exist. So mm-hmm. I decided instead to go the route of, well, I'm just going to tell as many therapists or excuse me, patients about it as possible. So I started on Instagram and posted, I don't know, once a week, twice a week, just little things. And it just kept growing. And I got to the point about six months in that I wanted to share more information. And I, Instagram didn't give me enough space to explain what I was trying to explain. So I was like, well, I'll make a YouTube video. And I just started with one and it was probably, it was, it's still on there, but it's definitely pretty bad as far as my editing and not knowing how to be concise on those videos is a very long one. Um, but it was very helpful for me to explain. Mm -hmm. And that was early 2020. And then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden I had patients who had lymphedema who now had to learn how to do self MLD because they couldn't get to therapists. They can't get bandaged. So they need to learn how to bandage and some other things. So I just kept making videos on things that patients needed to know on their own because there aren't, there weren't any, many resources out there and it just grew from there. So, and now I'm here and it's great. It's fun. I, it's my favorite thing to do is, is education and specifically patient education. So on that note, one of the things that I'm a really big proponent of, because I was literally just writing a podcast episode on this today is, is in services and like going directly to the patient for so many different reasons. And so I think that's very much like we very much click on that level of, you know, we as a profession have done a lot of educating to physicians, other healthcare professionals, and it's working to an extent, but where I've really seen a lot of progress, at least kind of in my own little microcosm of this crazy universe is directly going to the patient and really talking and connecting with them over some of this stuff. And I think we as physical therapists have such a glorious ability to do that because we truly do spend so much more time with our patients and are really able to sit and understand a lot of what they're experiencing, a lot of what kind of gets wrapped up into this unfortunate cancer spectrum journey, continuum, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, who better to do that than us as the physical therapist to really take that charge? 
Right. No, absolutely. Because we, we get to see them throughout the entire continuum. We can see them right away. We can see mm-hmm. them during, we see them after, we see them long-term. So we do spend a lot of time with them and we can see how they, you know, how the side effects affect them, how that changes over time, see how they improve or what may come on like late effects. And we are, you know, I'm biased, but we are the best at educating. And so I think it's perfect for us. Obviously I'm biased too, but you know, <laughs> I'm a very much in agreement with you. <laughs> This kind of brings us to, if we're so good at this, which again, I believe that firmly and not just because of our experience with our knowledge, but truly the physical therapist is one of the like most appropriate people to really take on this because we already have to do so much kind of connecting the dots as far as, you know, when a patient has surgery and this is any surgery, this is, you know, our orthopedic surgeries, for example, they're going to have side effects and those side effects affect their ability to do the things that they want to and need to. Cancer is no different. These patients have cancer surgery. They also have some other things going on in there, which we can talk about in a little bit. But if this is the case and physical therapists are so good at doing this educating and leading this charge and really helping the whole human in front of them heal, why aren't more physical therapists treating people with cancer? Yeah, that's it's a great question. The first thing that comes to my mind, um, it's probably pretty obvious, at least for those who've been in practice for a little bit, is we, or I at least, did not get a lot of education in school. Um, you know, oncology PT has been around for years, um, but in a, at a very, very, you know, small level, um, there have been therapists who have just pioneered the way for us and we can be forever grateful for them, but it just didn't really get to the rest of the therapy world, in my opinion. Now, that being said, I know there are a lot of wonderful programs now that have really done a wonderful job embedding oncology curriculum to um, their, their programs. However, I don't think that's all of them. And I still think that's missing. And to go along with that, we, or I, at least, you know, 10 years ago went through school and cancer is a red flag for a lot of things that we learn. And so a, we didn't get comfortable with it because we didn't learn about it. And the only thing we did learn about it B is that it's a red flag for a lot of things. And so I can see that a lot of therapists get anxious and scared when they hear that someone has a cancer diagnosis or a history of cancer and not knowing what they can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. We learned cancer very much in the negative of when you suspect a cancer or some kind of malignancy or just some general red flag in a person, you refer them back to the physician and you wash your hands of them and call it a day. There was never any discussion. And I went to physical therapy school more recently. So I graduated four years ago now, and we still were not talking about it. It was refer them back and be done with it. There was no follow-up as far as what happens when they come back. Or let's say, for example, they have the cancer diagnosis. Like, yes, have the diagnosis. They are now going through treatment or maybe they're done with treatment and they are having these musculoskeletal impairments. What the heck now? We never Mm -hmm. talked about that. Right. And if we don't address them, no one is going to. 
And so therapists at this point just need to get comfortable because I can confidently say that all therapists can treat oncology. They just need to feel comfortable on how to go about that with mm-hmm. some knowledge of safety and understand what to look for. Cause there are some differences than the, you know, your orthopedic world, but it's definitely in a therapist wheelhouse to learn these things mm-hmm. and then being able to apply it in, in most oncology settings. What do you think is standing in the way of more physical therapists feeling comfortable, feeling confident and competent when it comes to actually treating these patients? I think it's simply that, you know, we know the red flags. So there's a safety portion. Well, there's a little bit more to the safety than just, Hey, that's a red flag. And I think if they understood or learned some of these safety things, just knowing what to look for, they would feel more confident there. Mm -hmm. I think the other pieces is when we look at you know, what impairments or side effects that we see with treatment, you know, what are you looking for? What are you looking to assess and what evaluate and then treat? Um, You know, that knowledge is probably not as strong because that, again, that wasn't learned. Um, And so I think that was probably that be missing too. But I think, you know, if they had that knowledge and that education, um, we're not going in depth on, you know, therapy, you know, applying therapy interventions, you know, that all just comes into play. It's really knowing the knowledge, the basics, the foundation, and then being able to apply it. And that I think would bring the confidence they need. And I think, honestly, I feel like that's one of the only things that's missing. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you and I have talked about off air, and I know you share with students all the time is it's, it really comes down to you're a physical therapist who helps people with impairments. Like you, you assess for impairments and then you treat the impairments and it's the same thing in (laughs) oncology. It really is the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. Yes. There's some new impairments, you know, radiation fibrosis syndrome. Most people are like, what is that? Mm -hmm. Um, But once you understand it, it, you're going to address it the same way you would a lot of other things. So absolutely. Let's spend a little time on the safety component because this is, I think personally, this is one of the things that really made me the most nervous when I was first treating this patient population because yes, in general, you know, red flags still apply to the person with cancer. It just happens that they're a walking red flag, um, which isn't as scary as what it like sounds like on paper, but I was always afraid that I was going to hurt the person. I know better now, but for the, for the PT out there who's saying, I am going to hurt this person. I'm scared of that. Like, I want to help people not hurt them. Like, what would you say to them? I, the only thing, the first thing that comes to my mind is I, uh, she just retired, but I had worked with a physician, a PMNR, physical medicine rehab, um, physiatrist and in cancer rehab. And she was absolutely wonderful, but I just remember her voice in my head in the background. And she's like, you're not going to hurt them. Just treat them. <laughs> it's so true. Um, but it, it is nerve wracking. You don't know. Um, so, you know, what do we need to know? You know, just things to think about. The big thing with red, not red flag, excuse me, with safety is, Mm -hmm. well, the first thing you think of, like, why you think you're going to hurt them is probably bone mats. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when someone has bone metastasis um, stage four, it has traveled to the bones and they are at a lot higher risk for fracture. You can um, embed that into similar to someone if they are high risk with osteoporosis or significant osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you apply that in the same way. And there are... um, 
tools or, you know, measures to look at to help you kind of figure out where they may be and what their risk is. Um, there's always communication with their oncology team um, to get clearance for safety, you know, that kind of thing. And then learning, you know, weight, weight bearing versus non-weight bearing and, and some of those things. So there's some safety things to learn with that. I think the other safety thing that a lot of individuals are nervous about are the blood counts. Ooh, um, this is, yeah, this is a really yeah. good one. Yeah. So if someone specifically, you know, chemo's most known for this, um, the, the blood counts are going to drop and they're going to drop because of the cancer. They're going to drop because of the treatment and not knowing, you know, what those are, what they mean and, and what's safe. Well, um, I know you've had her on the podcast before, but Malter in, in that article, I know oh <laughs> I have God. it pinned up at my desk because it's great in that article, which I don't know if you can pin that. There it is. I mean, it's literally on my desk right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there is a wonderful table or, you know, outline in that article that I keep at my desk and all of my therapists mm-hmm. that I train in, I give them a copy and it really breaks down specifically rehab interventions um, and what, you know, you can and cannot do at each level with blood count. So someone's getting blood drawn weekly, you usually give or take, and I just check those blood counts or values and kind of know going into that session or that week where they're at. And so then I know what is safe. And then from there, we just modify week mm-hmm. by week. So learning that kind of thing um, for safety, it's, it's, we have that information. I mean, that information exists. We just have to make sure that someone has access to that and learns that. Mm, that's a really good point is really making sure you have the access to that. Cause you know, I love, I don't know who the physiatrist that you worked with is, but that was literally one of the things that Dr. Maltzer, who I interviewed on the podcast a couple months ago said, like, you're not going to hurt them. They already have cancer. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not in a callous way, but it really is like, people are so much more resilient than what we give them credit for, yeah. including people who have cancer. So if you have the tools, like again, what I'm holding up on screen right now, for those of you who are either a watching this or listening to this later is I have my copy of the Maltzer, a focused review of safety considerations and cancer rehab article. And it always lives here. And I mm-hmm. reference this probably like two to three times a week, because it's just such a good reminder of like, okay, you know, I was encountering this. Let me just go back to here and check on a couple things for my particular patient. So it's not as scary as what it seems when you kind of just break it down in that way. <laughs> right. And I would go further to that and say, when we talk about like, you're not going to hurt them. I think in some cases, and I think we're learning more and more about it. And I, I just love when there's more studies that come out about this, mm-hmm. that if we don't address things like cardio toxicity, being a massive one, if we don't address that early on, we're actually hurting them further down the road. You know, so if we're not treating them, if we're sitting back and not, now I'm not going to say, you know, high intensity all the time. That's what I'm talking about, but getting them to an exercise program that is safe for them, that, you know, helps them progress. um, I think we're doing more harm than good at that point. If we sit back. Could you say that again for the people in the back who are now like tuning back into us? Like they zoned out, they came back in. Can you give us a summary of that again? Because that is such powerful stuff, Kelly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we're getting to the point that I'm just so grateful for all of those out there. I know Nicole Stout does a lot. Cindy Pfizer does a lot of Mm -hmm. those who've been doing the research for years for us. We finally have all this literature to show that, you know, exercise 
during and after cancer treatment is not only safe, but it's beneficial. And that if we do not go out there and treat these individuals, you know, to our best ability, if we, you know, we're scared to push them at all, Mm -hmm. um, we're actually going to do more harm than good in the long run with things like cardiotoxicity, pulmonary toxicity, those kind of adjustments. So we think about, you know, you know, pediatric cancers or young survivors, um, you know, we need to be addressing all of their side effects, but we do need to be in the game because if, again, if, if we don't step up, then we're not, we're, we're hurting them more than anything. Again, if you miss the, like the tagline of this, of this particular section of the interview, we are doing more harm than good. If we are not actually stepping up and treating them and to bring back around something that Kelly said earlier, if we're not treating them, they're not getting treated period. And that does mean like, you know, again, not to put blame on anybody, but kind of I'm putting blame on ourselves as a, as a collective profession, we are harming our patients when we are not agreeing to see them when we are turning patients away because they have this particular diagnosis. It's, it's right. mind boggling when you really think about it in that way. I just like to for any orthopedic therapist or someone who works in that realm, you know, how many individuals have you come in, had come in the door with a shoulder pain and who's had a history of breast cancer? I mean, that number is high. I I don't know how anyone could work in orthopedics and have an individual who has not fit that. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't tell you how many I've had who, you know, they've had shoulder issues forever and they're doing, you know, this, this, and this, but some therapists, A, I don't blame them. They don't know like what radiation does and how that tissue is affecting them. Mm -hmm. So they can't address Mm -hmm. that. But then the other thing is I, I think they're not being, you know, treated enough. Like, I feel like they're being undertreated because they're kind of like, mm, I'm going to sit back and because mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you've had all this stuff going on and I don't know what to do and I don't want to touch it and that kind of thing. So I think that's another example that we really need, not just oncology, physical therapists. We do need, uh, you know, orthopedic, physical therapists, geriatric, physical therapists, anyone in, you know, whatever specialty they may be in understanding still how to treat this population because they are going to see them. So to tie it back in, this is real life, real time. Last week, my pa- uh, my husband evaled a patient in his own practice. Again, if you don't know, because I feel like I talk about it all the time, he has his own orthopedic, athletic, private physical therapy clinic. And he evaluated a patient for an ankle problem, you know, like active person wants to get back to it with a history of cancer. And this led to a really amazing conversation between the two of us, because he's like, yeah, like this person's experiencing this, whatever he sees it in his practice. And if he sees it in his practice, then we're seeing it in our own practices, regardless of the setting that we're in, regardless of the patient population that we think we're treating, like cancer transcends all of the the specialties within physical therapy, ortho, neuro, cardiopalm, wound care, whatever else there is, electro EMG or whatever, like cancer transcends all of this. It does. Exactly. And exactly. And so all we really need is you don't have to be an oncology PT and be the specialty uh, or the specialist, but if you just understand and feel confident with, you know, understanding the side effects, understanding the impairments, understanding the safety, I feel like we can just get really far and really this population would benefit more than we could ever understand. Oh my God. 
So I think we've established like safety is important, but it's not a pass or an excuse to, to back away from treating this patient population. What are some other things that the physical therapist should know about treating people with cancer? Yeah, I, besides safety, I think again, therapists know interventions. They have a large toolbox. They know how to treat a lot of things. And so what I think we need to learn or therapist needs to learn is what are the side effects that we see with cancer treatment and the cancer itself, of course, Mm -hmm. and then the Mm long-term ones too. So for example, radiation, you know, the biggest thing that we see is radiation fibrosis. Mm -hmm. So understanding Mm -hmm. and learning what radiation fibrosis and radiation radiation fibrosis syndrome is and what, you know, how that may present um, with the patient short-term and long-term because that is going to impact function. So understanding what that is and what to look for, and then you can know how to apply some skills mm-hmm. um, for, you know, post-surgery, most people understand post-surgery, but just having the basics of what are the surgeries that we see in the cancer They're you know, they're different. They're not a total knee, but there's still a lot going on and just kind of knowing what to look for. Um, and so again, they can think about how that changes anatomy and function from there. Um, chemotherapy, big one, um, cancer-related fatigue yeah. is probably one of the number one side effect, um, understanding what that is and what the literature shows to support, you know, what, um, what helps cancer related fatigue during and after treatment and, you know, hint it's exercise. It's us. And so just understanding what that is, what to look for, and then, you know, some interventions and how to treat it. Um, and then, you know, same thing goes with the hormone therapies, the immunotherapies, everything Mm -hmm, else, mm -hmm. just learning side effects, understanding literature, what's intervention. And then from there, use your own therapy skills and apply it. I think a good chunk of my listeners are familiar with the kinds of treatments that patients get when they're going through cancer treatment. But sometimes it's hard to make that connection between cancer, cancer treatments and the side effects and the, like the impairments radiation fibrosis. I think the name tells us like, this is a radiation specific side effect, but, and fatigue, you know, that could come from a few different things. What are some of these other side effects and impairments that are like screaming physical therapy, like can address this? Oh, absolutely. Weakness. All therapists have heard and treated some sort of weakness. Um, Along with that, it's like deconditioning, debility, you know, in that realm, they all kind of work together. Mm -hmm. Um, People may heard of sarcopenia or cachexia. We see that Mm -hmm. in oncology, but they all really fall under a similar umbrella that it's just overall um, deconditioning and weakness. And Mm -hmm. so again, I think most therapists have seen that in some regard, especially if you're in geriatrics. Mm -hmm. Um, but then we go specifically, you know, what, how do we look at that in the oncology setting and the oncology world and understanding that, Mm -hmm. um, again, they have a background in some skills. It's just knowing how to apply it in the oncology setting. Um, I think the other big one, well, lymphedema is, Mm -hmm. you know, there's primary lymphedema, which is genetic. And then there's secondary, which is commonly, um, due to cancer mm-hmm. it's, um, after an injury or our surgery. Um, and so again, understand what to look for, what are the risks someone may be at. And so again, if you're back in that orthopedic orthopedic setting, someone has a history of cancer, 
in their arm looks a little swollen or leg looks swollen, what is that? Well, you can kind of put mm-hmm. that together and then be able to refer out or address it if someone has the skills and the training as a certified lymphedema therapist. Um, neuropathy, chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy, we see a lot of that with diabetes. And then you'll see a lot of that when someone has certain chemo drugs. And so those are all really common side effects that we see in oncology mm-hmm. that can definitely show up in any other physical therapy setting. Boom. And some things that fly under the radar is that these side effects don't always manifest immediately. Some of them are very long-term and it could be that the patient has been completely discharged from any semblance of oncology care. And then they wander into your facility and have these problems and they're like, I need help with this. And you know, there you are, it's, you better be ready for it. Exactly. I mean, lymphedema is a lifelong risk. Neuropathy, you know, someone can always have a low grade neuropathy, but you know, balance, um, may show oh, up and yes. you can understand what is causing the imbalance and looking at that and realizing that, oh, they do have some neuropathy. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, they had chemo and that never really got all the way better. So exactly. It can, all of these can show up at any point. So one of the things that we've done, Kelly, is we've identified that this is very much a problem. I think between, you know, even though like your platform is very much patient facing, you're educating patients, you have attracted a significant following of therapists, you know, much like me that are saying, what the heck do we do with these patients? Where do we kind of go from here? And so you and I have been working on this project together over the last few months. And I would really like to talk about that now, if you're okay with it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, yes, I started for patient education, but my DMs are filled with therapists asking about specific treatments and and ideas of interventions and that kind of thing, because again, everyone's trying to learn. And so absolutely much needed. So we have collaborated together to create a brand new course. It's called the Cancer Basics Two-Day Intensive Course. And if this isn't jam-packed with the absolute fundamentals of what the physical therapist needs to know when it comes to treating people with cancer. I mean, this is it y'all. So as I'm sure you heard, I said what the physical therapist needs to know. This is not what does the oncology physical therapist need to know? What does the board certified oncologic clinical specialist need to know? This is what does the physical therapist need to know when it comes to treating this patient population? Yeah. And I'm going to add on to that because when we go into this and we'll talk about here in a moment, but we go into a lot of interventions. And so we know that it's just Mm -hmm. not physical therapists too. So physical therapy assistants. Yes. There are a lot of occupational therapists that are in this realm and treating these as well, especially upper extremity. And Mm so, you know, it's really more rehab professionals, I would say. Yep. A hundred percent agree. And I think that's one of the things that when I have gone to continuing education courses previously. A lot of them have really focused on the what, and I struggle personally with the how. Mm-hmm. Kelly, can you speak a little bit to how we're doing the how in our particular course? <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I, you know, I, in my current role, am training in therapists all the time. We have 85 therapists in our hospital. Oh my God. Um, onco- I know with the oncology team. Um, and I am in the role of training them in. And so 
I just want therapists to be successful because I, yes, I'm passionate about it, but I want them to feel confident, which I talked about before. I was not confident to start, but I also didn't get a lot of training or education. It just, you just kind of get thrown in and you learn as you go. We found, you know, we felt there was a void there and we wanted to create this to really fill that void for what we wish we would have had what would have gotten us off to a faster start to feel more confident. So we didn't spend the first two years really scared, um, uncertain, probably not challenging our patients enough, not addressing things mm-hmm. correctly, um, holding back a little bit. So um, we tried really hard. Yes, this is a basic. So we do need to go back to the education. What do they need to know mm-hmm. in the safety? We go through the safety, um, make sure they feel confident of understanding what these side effects are so they know what to look for, but then spending a lot of time on what these impairments and side effects are and then how to treat them and how to apply it as a physical therapist with the knowledge that you already have with your degree. So we like to go with, you know, we went through a lot of, or going to go through a lot of case studies, Mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully, you know, educating what we have done um, from our patients, our experience, um, step-by-step giving them ideas, um, so they can just see the bigger picture and then hopefully being able to put that back on them and go through case studies together to help them feel more confident treating this population. Mm -hmm. We very much curated this with the intention of you will learn exactly what to know, but also how to apply it for your specific patients. When you go back to your clinic the next time, like on Monday morning when you get back, but then also continuing support. Now, Kelly and I have a future episode coming up next week that is talking all about this stuff. And really like some of our most favorite parts of this course, I really, really encourage you, make sure you subscribe to the OncoPT podcast so you can check that out. Um, but to sub- to register for this course, so we're hosting it live, which is another thing that we're doing. Um, again, very intentionally because we want to be engaged with you and really talk about like your specific patients and how we would apply this to your particular patients with you in this cohort style. So we are hosting this course. Our first round is live August 26th and 27th, 2022. We really, really look forward to seeing you there. We are currently in the approval process for CEUs in 40 plus states here in the United States. So make sure that you are ready for that. We will announce when we are approved CEUs. It will be for 13 CEUs, which we're so, so excited about. So Kelly, what is one thing that you would tell somebody who's like, this sounds cool. I'm kind of on the fence. What is one thing that you would tell them about our Cancer Basics 2D Intensive course? I feel like, again, I there, people ask me all the time, what courses are out there? There's really not that many out there. And some that are, you know, the research is changing so fast. And so some are a little outdated. Um, But, you know, Elise and I both have the experience treating this population. We're passionate about this. But I think the biggest thing that we're passionate about is making other therapists confident with it. Mm -hmm. And so if it really, you're sitting there and you're not sure you want to treat this population, but you're you know, you know, you, you don't know where to start. This is 
this is perfect because it's going to just help you feel confident and to be able to, like Elise said, apply it the next Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And so I just think this is not just, you know, here's some information about cancer. It is really going to be more um, proactive and active in discussions, um, you know, guidance, community, um, just again, to answer any questions that someone possibly has. Mm -hmm. Again, you can register for this course with the link in the show notes or at the oncopt.com slash cancer basics. We will post on there as soon as we're approved for CEUs, which we're super excited about. Um, so Kelly, anything before we go today, anything that you would like to leave my listeners with about either the course or just kind of stepping into this role of, I can treat people with cancer confidently and competently. Yeah. I, that is always something I, all of my new therapists that I train in, all the students that I, you know, train in or educate and even my patients um, as well. It's, it's just, this knowledge is everything. And when it comes to therapists specifically, it just, you know, you haven't had this knowledge before and do not feel like you don't know, because I didn't learn it in school, at least didn't learn it in school. And so we had to start from square one and this course is an opportunity to help you, you know, get a lot more than we did. And if you can just gain that confidence, um, and, and we're here to totally help you out, but you can treat this population and you do not have to be an oncology specialist, but you can feel confident when you see that person come to the door with a history of cancer. Um, just knowing some of these basics. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the Onco PT podcast. I'm so excited that I got you back. I'm really, really excited to unleash this beautiful brand new course that we've been working on over the past few months. So I just really appreciate you and your time and sharing all that you've learned over the past few years with my audience. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm also just really excited to build this community. You know, we've been talking about this before, something we're passionate about and excited to see everyone come on board and join us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, leave a rating and review or support us on Patreon.